0: On most evenings, I like running along the canal near my house. It's very pretty, very idyllic. There's a lot of trees and there's always people walking their dog. There's this family that live nearby. They own tree coggies. But let me tell you about one of my biggest fears. I'm scared that one day I'll be running. Maybe early in the morning, maybe late in the evening. And I'll see something floating in the water. Not an otter, not a band of otters, not a monitor lizard. I'm scared that I'll see a body. And not just any body. A body without a head or hands. Because you know, that kind of thing never really leaves you. It gets imprinted in your brain. And I never want to be too close to it because you never know what, who, could follow you home. Hi. I'm Teddy and welcome to A Briefcase. Today we're covering a listener recommended story. Thank you so much to Rosella Mizra or at rose underscore nightfall for this recommendation. We're covering the murder of Jasvinder Kaur, sometimes also known as the murder at McNair Road. <music> So I'm going to start with the fact that this is kind of an ongoing case. It's technically been solved, but the murderer is still at large. Another thing to note is that we don't really have much background here. But here's what we do know. Harvinder Singh was a 35-year-old Indian national. He came to Singapore in February 2013. And he came to work as a senior logistics coordinator. Now, about seven months after that, which is actually a really long time to be apart, in September, his wife came over. Her name was Jess Kaur and she ended up working as a beautician for a beauty parlor in Little India. So now we're going to drop you right into the middle of it, all right? It's about 3 months since Jasvinder came to Singapore. And according to this account, her husband started noticing a couple of really strange things. One was that her mobile prepaid card was depleting really quickly. This made him suspicious. Was she making a lot of overseas, long-distance calls? After all, 7 months is a long time to be apart. He was suspicious that she was being unfaithful and talking to another man. Alright, now we're going to fast forward a little bit from September. She's been in Singapore for about 3 months. It was 11th December. We don't have the exact time but we think it might be around evening given the timeline of how everything worked out. Both Vinder and Harvinder were in their home at block 228A, Balestia Road. So Harvinda allegedly walked in on Jasvinda lying in their bed and she was on a long-distance call to someone that he didn't know, alright? Angry, they got into a fight and he punches her in the throat. And this is a bit screwed up because if you get into a fight with your partner, even if they are like supposedly cheating on you, I think the normal reaction is to just leave, not to punch someone in the throat, Right? You know, generally, behavior doesn't really just start like that. Usually, violence is like, it escalates. So, in a really dark way, okay? It's not a joke, but this dude is like one punch man. But to provide some additional context, the human throat is super weak, alright? It's very delicate, with a lot of small bones and the windpipe. In addition to windpipe injuries, which can literally stop you from breathing, getting punched in the throat can also cause spinal injuries. And don't forget, there's a whole bunch of major blood vessels there too. It's really one of the most vulnerable parts of the human body. And it's a very vicious thing to do to punch someone in the throat, much less your wife. And that's what he does. So Harvinda punches her in the throat and she falls over. And instead of checking if she's okay... He leaves the apartment. And when he came back, she was dead. Now, he has his dead wife's body in what used to be their home. Later that night, at around 11.30pm, his one close friend in Singapore, Gusharan, comes to their home. To give you some background, Gusharan was 27 years old and he came from the same town as Harvinda in India. He worked as a forklift driver in Singapore. He believed, right, in his mind, he, Harvinder told him that he was helping him move house, alright? And later that night, he would even ask Harvinder, "Hey, bro, are we taking a bus? So again, we don't have an accurate timeline, but just judging from overall what has happened, you know, like, I'm Chair detective, is between the murder and when Gusharan shows up, and when they leave the house, that somehow he manages to decapitate her and cut off her hands. Because without her head, there's no facial or dental records. And without her hands, there's no fingerprinting. And it makes it so much harder to identify a body. And honestly, hits and hands, like a hit and hands, when you think about it, is not... Probably not that hard to get rid of as compared to a whole body, alright? And in this case, in this specific case, it makes it really hard to identify what was the exact cause of death. Cause it might not have been a punch to the throat, it might have been a step through the eyeball or something. You don't know that, I don't know that, we don't know that. Harvinda packs up the body in a piece of luggage, like, you know, a suitcase, and they start carrying it, and they walk all the way to McNair Road. This is around 2 to 3 a.m. at night and we know this because eventually there was CCTV footage of them with the body in the suitcase. Now, at some point of time in the journey, because, you know, a human body is pretty heavy, one of the wheels of the luggage falls off. And they have to carry the luggage, like, physically. They have to, like, heave it on their shoulders. Because of the weight, Grosharan, he starts to get suspicious. He confronts Harvinder. He's like, Harvinder, bro, what do you have in this suitcase? Because it's definitely not, like, clothes or furniture or whatever, right? And Harvinder confesses. And in his confession, he says that this whole thing was an accident. But was it Really? They dump the body in Wampoa River near McNair Road and they leave. The next day, Harvinder calls up Jess Vinder's workplace. He calls up the beauty salon and he says, hey, we're going back to India and she's not coming back to work for you anymore, which is a little bit strange or so. And after that, he leaves for Malaysia and from Malaysia back to India. And the next day, on 12th, December 2013, her body is found floating in the Wampua River early in the morning at around 7:30 a.m. <music> the police were called. They checked her body, but weren't able to see any like immersion changes or putrefaction. Cha- they said the word <laughs> putrefaction <laughs> changes. So they basically weren't able to see any sort of indication that she'd been in the water for too long. And at this point, without a hit and hence right, they weren't able to tell exactly what caused the death. And the thing is that the chances of solving a case, it gets halved if a suspect isn't found within the first 48 hours. So you know the Singapore police, they're damn thorough. They looked at all the rubbish within 3km of where they found the bodies. And apparently the police, they looked through something like 3 tons of rubbish, okay? But they didn't find anything. They didn't find the head, they didn't find the hands. And they interviewed so many people. They interviewed witnesses all the way up to Ballestia. They interviewed a durian seller and somebody buying groceries at night, because you never know what kind of crime you're going to accidentally witness Like if you go by and buy your groceries in the middle of the night, alright? They watch CCTV footage over 200 hours. And did you know, I I didn't know this. do you know that when the police watch CCTV footage, they have to watch it in real time, just in case they miss anything? I always thought they fast-forwarded it or something, but no, alright? But they managed to catch the two guys on CCTV footage at 2.52, 3.08, and 3.09, carrying the luggage. And with their mad policing skills, they are able to identify the men as foreigners, alright? And they actually worked with ICA to track foreigners leaving the country, and guess who showed up on their radar? That's right, it was Hesvinder. And they note that he came to Singapore, and that his wife came to Singapore. But he left without her. So that means that if she was still alive, she should still be in Singapore, right? Using her work pass, they tracked her down to the shop that she worked at. And her employer said like, yeah, her husband called in to say that they would be going back to India and she hasn't come in since. But wait, this is not a dead end because the police, say asked for her personal belongings And then they get her water bottle because she left her water bottle behind. And they were able to cross-check the DNA of the body in Wampoa River to the DNA from the water bottle. I didn't know you could do that, but guess what? You can do that. Honestly, to show you how fast the police are, apparently the officers from the Special Investigation Section of the CID, you know, the Criminal Investigation Department, they managed to find out who she was in less Then 7 days, that's like less than a week. After that, they go to Harvinda's ex-employer to try to track him down because now it becomes pretty suspicious. Your wife is dead and you just left the country. They checked with the employer and they checked, okay, who are Harvinda's friends? Because who else could he turn to to help him dispose of a body in the middle of the night? So they managed to hunt down Grosharan and arrested him. Gursharan is arrested and he's initially charged with murder on 30th December 2013. He was later given a discharge, not amounting to acquittal. And then after that, he was charged with causing evidence to disappear and not informing the police that a crime happened. He was sentenced to 30 months in prison. And now you're wondering, why is this like murder and not manslaughter, right? I think one of the things, right? So this is opinion only, eh, was I think because he chopped off the head and the hands, he was definitely trying to hide the body, right? And the second thing was that has there, He actually asked Gusharan for help at 7.30 in the morning, way, way, way before their alleged fight. Before that, he was already planning on who he would rope in to help him get rid of the body. And to this day, Hasvinder Singh is still on the run. He's on Interpol's wanted list. And Jasvinder Kaur, his unfortunate wife, her heads and hands were never found. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of A Briefcase Podcast. And thank you to all of you who recommend these cases. We always try to fit them in the schedule and we really, really appreciate it here. And you know, like, when you think about it, it's really quite scary how many bodies get dumped in all the tiny canals and rivers in the body and these are just the ones we know. Imagine the ones that we never find out about. Anyway... You can find us on Instagram at a briefcase podcast, just DM us anytime and online at a briefcasepodcast.com and do join us next week for another brief case. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.